take our Bibles today, if you grab your Bible and remain standing there, we're going to be reading from Mark's Gospel. Our special had to uh, stay home today because of sickness and the family, and uh, we're just going to forego the special today and get right into the scripture. So good to see you, good to have guests with us today, and uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, we're traveling through the Gospel of Mark and taking it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we're going to be in uh, Mark, actually look at the Mark chapter 14 to begin with, and last week we covered a passage of scripture where um, Jesus was being interrogated by the Sanhedrin, a religious group, and their goal, of course, is to find him guilty of something. They've been looking for something to find him guilty of, and of course, they could find nothing wrong with him. And so, um, if you look down in verse, we're in chapter 14 now, in verse um, 61, it says, But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? So they're asking Jesus to identify himself and confess that he is indeed the Christ. And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy for them, for the religious crowd, for these Jewish leaders, for him to con acknowledge, confess that he is Christ, the Messiah, God in the flesh, would be blasphemy. It's truth, but they considered it blasphemy. So you, verse 64, you have heard the blasphemy, and the high priest asked, what, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, prophesy, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands, which begins the brutal treatment that will only escalate as Jesus gets closer to the cross. After that, we studied last week about the three denials of Peter and uh, made some application in our lives. That brings us to chapter 15 and verse 1. Please look as I read the first five verses. Mark 15, 1. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, the whole council being the Sanhedrin, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And that's really going to be our subject today, Jesus before Pilate. They delivered him to Pilate, and Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him, Jesus, of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things are they witness against thee? But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. We'll read some more verses in a moment, but let's begin there, okay? Let's pray. Father, please bless today as we get into your scriptures, your word together. Thank you for this portion of scripture. Lord, it means so much to us as we reminded again of the great love that you have for us to send your son and the great love and sacrifice of our savior to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins 
And for those of us, Father, who know you, we're just grateful today and we worship you for sins forgiven, for the grace of God in our lives. And Father, we pray today for those who might be here today who are not saved, that Lord, today their eyes and hearts could be open to the truth of the gospel and not only see it intellectually, but understand in their heart the importance of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in your sacrificial death for, save, for salvation. We pray for that today. Work in all of our hearts. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, the council, the Bible says in verse 1, uh, are going to deliver Jesus to Pilate. It's, it says in verse 1, straightway in the morning. It's just about dawn. These various meetings and uh, trials, makeshift trials have been going on through the night. The denial of Peter, all these are things are happening pre-dawn. And what they've been plotting for, and, and I was thinking this morning, they've even probably been praying for this in their own way, is a guilty verdict among themselves. But not just that, they want a death sentence against Jesus. And so in verse 1 it says they, they were consulting together, the elders, the scribes, the whole council, and then they took Jesus and bound him. And they have in their mind a case against Jesus. It's based on misinformation, but as we've emphasized for weeks, Truth is irrelevant to people in this mindset. All they want is Jesus dead. But they've decided that in their own way within the council, within the Sanhedrin. But it's one thing for them to say that Jesus is worthy of death. It's another thing for him to be convicted of a crime, a capital offense, in the civil court. But that's necessary if Jesus is going to be executed, and so this, this is where we find ourselves today, is Jesus being taken before Pilate. For those who may not know, Pilate is a Roman official, a governor of Judea. He's not the king, but he is a governor. He was not a popular uh, leader in, that, in the first century among the Jews. There had been, if you read a little bit of history about Judea in the first century, there had been more than one a time when they were on the verge of an insurrection. Uh, they, they'd only been, really, the Jewish people had only been under Roman uh, control for uh, less than 100 years. And so, really, they despised the Gentiles. They thought they were better than the Gentiles. And they despised the, the Romans particularly. And for them, so you get a picture of this, for them to take anyone before a Roman court is really some, very interesting in and of itself, that they would seek for the court's um, approval. Uh, my wife and I, turn with me if you would to Mark chapter 10. My wife and I were reading in the Gospel of Mark this morning, and um, this is, we were reading this passage in Mark chapter 10, and this is uh, sometime before Jesus gets to Jerusalem. He's even about to come into Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, but in verse 32 of Mark chapter 10, we find these words, they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Now look in verse uh, 33, it says, saying, this is what Jesus said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. 
step by step, exactly as Jesus said it would happen. But he mentions to them that Jesus would be, said he'd be delivered, he's speaking of himself, would be delivered to the Gentiles. Verse 34 says, And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. So, so this whole matter of the Jews taking Jesus to the Gentiles is, is really something in itself. Uh, as you know, on these Sunday mornings, I often refer to other Gospels and their, their narrative of this very uh, time frame. And about this, John says something very interesting in his Gospel. And he tells us that these religious leaders would not enter into Pilate's judgment hall. They take Jesus to Pilate, but they themselves will not go into Pilate's hall, and here's the quote, lest they be defiled, but that they may eat the Passover. They felt like if they went into Pilate's court, they would be defiled and could not observe the Passover, so they didn't actually go into Pilate's court themselves. And I just think of that, and I think, what hypocrisy is this? They're planning to murder an innocent man but they're more concerned about contaminating themselves so that they cannot observe the Passover and so they won't go into Pilate's court. And uh, Pilate first, according to what uh, was written in the other gospel, Pilate told these religious leaders when he went out to meet them, you judge Jesus according to your Jewish law. And this is what they said to him. It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. The only reason we can't have the final judgment is we can't execute anybody, but you can. So that tells us why they're bringing Jesus before Pilate. And so in our text, in Mark chapter 15, Pilate begins the process of questioning Jesus, and he says in verse 2, and Pilate asks him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And I want us to think about that for a moment. Keep in mind, Pilate is a Roman governor. He is an official of the Roman Empire. And he's asking Jesus if you are the king of the Jews. The Jews are subject, uh, not, not because they desire to be, but because they were conquered. Jerusalem was conquered and Israel was conquered by the Romans. They're subjects of the Roman Empire. Uh, Tiberius Caesar Augustus was the emperor of the Roman Empire at this time. And as I said earlier, the, the Roman Empire has only controlled Israel for less than 100 years. This is a wound, I'm sure, that they're very sensitive to. They don't like it. Uh, even Herod the Great, when Jesus was born, you remember when Jesus was born in Matthew's Gospel and the wise men came from afar to find him that would be born king of the Jews. The fact that another king would be born was warranted Herod to kill all the children in Bethlehem who were two years or younger. That's how they felt about kings. Here's another. So he's asking him, Do you, are you saying that you're a king? It would look, uh, imagine how it would look for an incredibly popular Jewish leader to be claiming to be a king. And so the question is, I think, a very interesting one in verse 2. Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Now, again, I want to refer to another gospel just to give us a little more input on this. But Luke gave us 
the words of these Jewish leaders that caused Pilate to ask that question about Jesus being king. This, is what, this was the charge these hypocrites brought against Jesus. We found this fellow, talking about Jesus, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And so that's what they said to Pilate, and so Pilate asked this question. By the way, again, this may not seem to be all that important, but I find it interesting that the charges that they brought against Jesus in the Sanhedrin among themselves as religious leaders are not the same charges they're bringing against him in a civil government before uh, Pilate. Before the Sanhedrin, the religious body, they said they were condemning him because he considered himself the Messiah, which is blasphemy, which in their eyes was worthy of death. But in this new court, the charges are different. We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. We're here because he won't, he won't allow us to give tax money to Caesar and saying that he is indeed a king. So what are they accusing him of before Pilate? They're accusing him of inciting a riot. They're accusing him of forbidding people to pay their taxes and they're accusing him of claiming to be king. And a person who did those things in Roman government, a person who's guilty of treason, would be warranting a death penalty. And so that's exactly what their, what their, their goal is. Of course, just again, uh, so we know, none of the things they accused Jesus of was he guilty of. This is what Jesus said about giving to Caesar. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render unto God the things that are God's. He, didn't ever, he never forbid anyone. Matter of fact, when Jesus came to Peter and was asked, or Peter came to him and asked him about paying taxes, should we pay taxes, what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, don't you go fishing, catch a fish, first fish you catch, look in his mouth, you're going to find a coin, that coin will pay our taxes. Jesus never, all these are lies. By the way, that's the way people... People who want to bring harm to people, but they don't have a reason. All they can do is fabricate lies. Fake news, if you would. So, so Jesus is being accused of all these things by these Jewish leaders. And so in verse, in verse 2, when, when Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Notice it says, And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. That's what you're saying. Verse 3, and the chief priest accused him, Jesus, of many things, but he answered nothing. He, he did not respond to their, what they were saying. And Pilate, in verse 4, asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Don't you have anything to say in your defense? Behold, Pilate says, how many things they witness against thee. All the things they're saying against you, and you have nothing to say, and Pilate was just kind of amazed by that. And by the way, I'm amazed by it. I'm not amazed that Jesus didn't answer, but I'm just amazed at his uh, resolve and his being at peace with what he's doing. He says, you hear these accusations, and he just remained 
silent. More than once, Pilate says, not here, but recording the other Gospels, I find no fault in him. Um, An interesting detail that's not here in Mark's Gospel, that's in Luke's Gospel, is that when the chief priest accused um, Jesus of stirring up the citizens of Israel, he said he began in Galilee. Of course, Jesus was from Nazareth. Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth, which is in Galilee, not in Judea. But as soon as Pilate, and you'll remember this, you'll remember this in a moment as I go through this, but as soon as Pilate heard them mention Galilee, he asked Jesus, are you a Galilean? Because, because he knew if he was from Galilee, that would fall under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the same time this is taking place. And so when he found that out, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. And again, we're not going to turn to that, but I'm going to just give you kind of a brief uh, summary of that. Uh, it says that when Herod, Jesus came before Herod. So they, here, think about this. They went to the Sanhedrin. They've been all night. Jesus has been all night. In the Garden of Gethsemane, going through these makeshift kangaroo courts. It's it's just barely daylight now. He goes before uh, Judas, not Judas, goes before Pilate. um, And Pilate accuses him and asks him questions. And now they're taking him to another place so he can see Herod. And Herod, the Bible says, was exceeding glad to see Jesus. It says in this in the gospel, the other gospel, he wanted to see Jesus for a long time for this reason. He just wanted to see him perform a miracle. This is his chance. I'm going to get to see this miracle worker perform a miracle. And he, he, the Bible tells us that he asked him extensively questions, but Jesus was silent. Why was Jesus silent? Why would he not defend himself? Why wouldn't he... Why wouldn't he clarify the details? Why wouldn't he expose the wickedness and the lies and the corruption of his accusers? And the reason is because Jesus didn't come to earn a reputation. Jesus didn't come to have just the respect of the community. He didn't come to be vindicated. He didn't come to maintain an image. He came for one reason. He came to die. He came to be the sacrificial lamb, the silent lamb. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And no one could understand that. Herod couldn't understand that. The the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, in chapter 14, we read this a moment ago, it says when they asked him, you know, what do you say about this? He held his peace and answered nothing. Nobody can understand. Pontius Pilate cannot understand why he didn't answer. And so Herod didn't get an answer out of him. Herod sent him back to back to Pilate. So then we bring that brings us to chapter fifteen of of Mark and verse verse six. If you look there, it says, "Now at that feast, the the Passover feast, at that feast he he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired." So. Pilate has to see Jesus a second time, and he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to condemn Jesus. He wants to release him and because he knew he wasn't guilty. So there's this custom in verse 6 and verse 7 and following. There's this custom during the Passover 
that he, Pilate, would release a Jewish prisoner of the people's choosing. It must have been just a thing to kind of earn their favor, pacify them, or, or you know, give them something they wanted. And so, so, he, so we find that in verse 6. In verse 7 it tells us there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him. So there's a Barabbas, and Barabbas is he's he's chained, he's bound, he's in he's in their custody. He had been part of an insurrection, trying to take over Jerusalem, trying to overthrow the Roman Empire, as far as their control of Israel is concerned. And in the process, the latter part of verse seven, important detail about Barabbas, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So not only had he been guilty of this insurrection, and like I said earlier. Uh, Jewish history tells us there had been a number of these insurrections against the Romans. Not only had he been guilty of helping to conspire an insurrection, but he'd, in the process, he had committed murder. And so you have this Barabbas. Verse 8 says, The multitude crying aloud began to desire him, talking about Pilate, to do as he had, he had ever done with them before. So he's, he's, they're crying out, we want you to release a prisoner. We want you to release, you've done this before. You know, we want you to release a prisoner. And, um, and Barabbas w- would look like a candidate, a likely candidate. Um, and so if you look at the next verse, though, verse 9, but Pilate answered them saying, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? How would you like it if I released him? Verse 10. For he knew, Pilate knew, that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. They, they only delivered Jesus because they hated him. They didn't deliver him because he was guilty of any crime. They didn't deliver him because he had broken any laws. They delivered him because they hated him for envy. They despised him. And so Pilate says... Do you want me to release? Do you want me to release Jesus? Now, I think about Pilate a lot when I think about the narrative of Jesus' uh, mistreatment and eventually his crucifixion, because he was in a difficult place. You know, if if he were to release Jesus, who claimed to be a king, uh, that could be pro- problematic. If he released Barabbas, who had led an insurrection against the Romans and committed murder, that could be problematic. So, I mean, he's really in a pickle. And so he asks, you know, do you want me to release Jesus? Um, so, he, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy uh, for, for Pilate, but I think about the conflict he was in. And you add that, and again, it's not in the Gospel of Mark, but it's in Matthew's Gospel, another detail that even complicates it more. And that is right at this time, it says, when he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife, Pilate's wife, sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. So you've got a man before you that's incredibly popular, a man before you that has been interrogated and interrogated and there's no, nothing they can find wrong with him. Pilate can't find anything wrong with him. Herod can't find anything wrong with him. He could release him. He wants to release him. And then his wife sends a message to him. And like every good husband, he listens carefully to what his wife said. His wife says to him, I had this dream 
And he's a just man. Be careful. You don't want to do this. You know, don't have anything to do with this because I've suffered in this dream because of him. But notice what it says in verse 11. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. So you've got really all this Jewish multitude of people, but you've got some instigators. And those instigators are these chief priests. And it says they move the people. They're, they're playing on the people. They're manipulating the people. They're influencing the people. And you, so they are true instigators. They're evil. They're hypocrites. They're manipulating the crowd. And I like to put myself in different people's positions when I'm reading a story, and I'm thinking about what it would be like to be in that crowd. Jesus is being interrogated. Pilate, the governor, finds no fault in him. Herod has found no fault in him. But these chief priests are just stirring things up, just stirring the pot, we would say. And why would the people, why would the people prefer Barabbas? who was a criminal, who was a murderer before Jesus? Well, two reasons to me, first of all, uh, that stand out. One is this anti-Jesus venom is just, is just permeating the crowd. This hatred against Jesus is spreading among the people. But there's another reason, I think. Remember, these Jewish people were not friends of Rome. And they probably, at least some of them, a significant percentage of them, maybe a lot of them, supported this insurrection attempt that Barabbas had started. So for more than one reason, probably, they're, they're inclined not to ask for Jesus' release, but to ask for the release of Barabbas. So look in verse 12, if you would. It says, And Pilate answered and said unto them, what will you then that I shall do unto him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. They, I mean, they didn't make any bones about it. We want him dead. We want him, and we'll talk about the crucifixion perhaps next Sunday, Lord willing. The most cruel form of punishment there is. The most cruel form of execution there is. So crucify him. And then verse 14, Pilate said unto them, Why? Why? What evil hath he done? Why are you wanting him dead? Can you see Pilate? He's in such a predicament, really. And they cried out the more exceedingly. Verse, they, didn't, they didn't tone it down. They just ramped it up. They cried out the more exceedingly. Crucify him. Crucify him. They're so close. I can just see these chief priests, these religious people, they're so close to getting what they want. They've been following Jesus throughout Galilee, even into Samaria, even across the east of the Jordan River. They've been following Jesus, trying to find fault with him. Leaders from Jerusalem traveling a great distance, trying to find something wrong with him. And they're so close to getting their objective, nothing will stop them now. Pilate, Matthew writes seeing that he could not prevail against them, you'll remember this from the Gospel of Matthew, that he took water, and poured water in a basin, and washed his hands before the people, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. And just to show you 
the temperament of the people in that crowd when Pilate washed his hands and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, the people cried back loudly, His blood be on us and on our children. What hatred. What, what venomous, poisonous hatred. Still in our text in verse 15, it says this. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Willing to please the crowd. And we see these we see these glimpses throughout the Gospels, and we mention it from time to time. It's true of the religious leaders. It's true of the political leaders. They were politicians. We're going to give the people what they want. I don't think it's right, but we're going to do it. And so he delivered him to the Roman soldiers, and he would be scourged, and he would be crucified. So a lot of the emphasis today, in my mind, is on Pilate. It's on Jesus, of course. He's the center of our of our going through the gospel of Matthew, but Pilate, because it's a picture of a person who knows what's right, but does something else. And can I say to you today, that's really worth all of us thinking about for just a moment. It's one thing to know what's right. It's another thing to do what's right. It's one thing to know Jesus. He, he knew Jesus was not a, a criminal. He knew Jesus was a good man. He knew Jesus had done nothing wrong. He knew Jesus was being delivered because of the envy of the religious people. And he tried symbolically to wash his hands, you know. But you know what? He couldn't. You can't erase yourself, erase your guilt for something that he had done. And... I was reading yesterday some writings from uh, Josephus, who was a first century historian, and other writers in that era 2,000 years ago, that Pilate eventually took his own life. And I wonder how much of that, him taking his own life, could have stemmed from this decision that he made here. When he could have done the right thing, he could have acted right, he knew what's right. You know, when a person... When a person knows what they ought to do and they don't do it, it creates a conflict in that person's life. Even the smallest things. When you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, you say, well, I know I should do this. I know God would want me to do this. I know this would be the right thing, but I'm just not going to do it. Anytime we do that, it creates tension in our soul. It creates, it, it creates unrest within us. And so one of the lessons I take away from this passage of Scripture about Pontius Pilate is the danger of letting peer pressure, that's what, that's what moved him, peer pressure, to do something he knew wasn't the right thing to do. You say, well, that would never happen to me, and I would beg to differ with you. I think it happens to us a lot, where we know what would be proper, we know what God would want, and yet internal pressure or external pressure and we don't do the right thing. And by the way, it never really works out good when that's the case. So here's what we have in our text. We have these Jewish leaders, religiously, really respected leaders of the Jewish people, professionals, if you would, the priesthood, and they have this 
public persona, this impression of being godly, and yet they're just the opposite. They're hypocrites. They're play actors. They, they, you know, they, Jesus, I'm not we're making this up. Jesus said this. He said, Isaiah said this about you. Hundreds of years before that, Jesus said, Isaiah prophesied of you. This people draw near to me with their mouths, but their heart is far from me. Those are the religious leaders. They're hypocrites. We don't want to be like them. And again, if we just go back a couple of lessons, we have the closest followers of Jesus who in their, with their mouths they said, no matter what happens, we will be true to you. And yet, to a man, every one of them forsook the Lord and left him, even Peter denying him. And then we have Pilate. Pilate who knew that Jesus was unworthy of death, yet he caved in to the crowd's demands. Knowing it wasn't the right thing, he did it anyway. And so if you read this, and we're just kind of doing character sketches on all these people in this passage, we look at it and there's only one person in there that we'd want to be like, and that's Jesus. The innocent man who was condemned to death. You know, it's easy to read through the Gospels, read through any Gospel, read through the Gospel of Mark. It'd be easy to read through the Gospel of Mark and really miss some of the practical, personal lessons that we could get out of it. And so, to me, I always come to this. What about me? How does this apply to me? And I would encourage you to do the same thing. What about you? Can you say today from your heart that I know that I'm obeying what I know to be God's will? And I say this because I believe it's true. I said it earlier, but I say it again. When we, for whatever reason, choose a path, make a decision that we know is not what God wants us to do, we're making a wrong decision. And I'm not saying that we're, it's going to ruin our life but our life, especially for those of us who are saved, our life can never really be right until we make that right. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. It could be some matter of surrender. Some matter that we've just not really turned over to God. I don't know about you, but I can say for my own life that I could be surrendered in a whole lot of areas of my life, but if there's one area I'm not, that area that I'm not is going to cause me more anxiety or tension than all the areas that I have surrendered. It could be a matter of faith. I know I should be doing this. I know God wants me to do this. I know I can do better than this. I know this is what God would have me do. We, we heard a, a great lesson this morning in the Sunday school hour about loving one another, about, about pushing ourselves, stretching ourselves, getting out of our comfort zone to express our love for others. And I believe, as I heard that lesson, I believe God, if we take it seriously, will, will lead us, will help us, will show us areas we can do that. And you say, well, that might be hard for me to do. Well, if it's what God wants you to do, by faith we do that. 
If we don't, we're disobeying God. Maybe some other area, some other matter of obedience. You say, well, I know God would want me to do this, but I know I'm just not doing it. Well, why... What, what difference is it from what we see these other people doing, what we see the disciples doing when they ran scared, what we see Pilate doing when he went against his own conscience, what we see those hypocrites doing, these religious people who said they were true to Jehovah God and yet their heart was far from him. Like I said, when I read this, I don't, I don't read this just condemning all these people, but I read it asking myself, you know, how can I be less like those people and more like Jesus, who always did the right thing with no support, with no encouragement, with everyone turning against him. He just did the right thing. God help us to be more like Jesus. So as we think about this today, I want to address, as I always do, those who may be here today. And I'm glad you're here. But you may be here today and you don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't really know Him in a personal way. You've not, you know, when we sing these songs about how well it is with our soul, about how wonderful it is and will be one day to stand with that great throng in heaven and worship him and you're you're not even inclined to worship him you don't even know what it would be like to worship him because you don't have a relationship with him today this Jesus we're reading about he loves you he loves you he died for you and he doesn't ask us to die for him but he does ask us to live for him and to receive him and to believe on him and to trust him and if you're not saved today there's nothing religious you can do that'll make you a christian jesus has done everything in order for us to be saved but you must personally receive him you must turn from yourself and your sin and put your faith in jesus christ and today would be a great day to do that and if you're here today and you're saved, maybe today as you've heard the Sunday school lesson, the Bible study from Peter, or maybe listening to this message, you say, you know, there's some things in my life that really I, I know I should be doing and I'm not doing. I know they're the right thing to do and yet I'm not doing them. Let's make this the day that we say, Lord, by your grace and with your help, I'm going to, do, I'm going to step out by faith and do what you want us to do. And it may not be popular, it would have taken a lot for Pilate to say, I don't care what any of you say, this man's innocent, and I'm not going to condemn him. It may not be popular, but it would be right thing, and God will bless you for it. Let's bow our heads together for prayer with our heads bowed for a moment and our eyes closed. Let me encourage you today just to take a couple of moments and think about your life and think about the Word of God and think about how it applies to you. I don't know if you're this way, but sometimes I'm this way. I read things like this in the Bible, and I just get mad at everybody. I get mad at the religious leaders. I get mad at the disciples for running. I get mad at Pilate for being such a coward. But sometimes I need to be a little more introspective and say, I don't want to be like that. I want, I want God to work in my life.
Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you again for preserving for us these inspired words in the Gospels and all the Bible. Lord, we can't read this without being mindful of all that you've done for us. That you answered them not a word, you never defended yourself, you never blamed anybody, you never attacked your critics. Because you were on a mission that would take you to Golgotha, to Calvary. Father, we just have great appreciation for all that you've done for us and all that Jesus has done for us. That we might be forgiven, that we might be saved. And I pray today, Father, that all of us would honestly, and I put myself in there for certain, just evaluate our lives and the times maybe we've like Peter or like Pilate have said, I, I know I ought to do this, but I'm going to do that. God help us today to do the right thing. 